This is the Siècle. Episode 16. Romantique. Welcome back. This week, we're stepping away from our narrative to look at a cultural development in Restoration France, the burgeoning Romanticism movement in literature. This takes the form of an interview with Professor Philippe Moisan, my undergrad French professor. Interestingly, while this is episode 16 of the Siècle, it's in some ways the very first episode of the show. I recorded this interview way back in May of 2018, after about five months of research into the show, but still six months before I announced it publicly, and eight months before episode one was released. I happened to be back on campus and arranged to meet Professor Moisan for an interview. I've sat on it ever since, waiting for the right moment, which I feel has now arrived, as our narrative reaches the 1820s, and figures such as Chateaubriand and Victor Hugo have entered the scene. This interview is a casual conversation, in which both Moisan and I drop various references to historical figures and terms, without always explaining them. If you're ever confused, be sure to check out the transcript at thesiecle.com slash episode 16, to which I've added hyperlinks and footnotes to help explain anything uncertain. That's T-H-E-S-I-E-C-L-E dot com. Unlike most episodes of The Siècle, this interview requires fairly minimal background knowledge to comprehend, so if you like it, feel free to share it with your friends. If this is your first time listening to the show, then I'd encourage you to subscribe after this episode, and then go back to begin with episode 1, which introduces France in 1814, in the immediate aftermath of Napoleon's downfall. I'm so excited to share this with you, as it's one of the favorite interviews I've ever conducted, chock full of fascinating insights and commentary about history, literary analysis, and more. I hope you like it as much as I do. For today's episode, we're going to be looking at the French literature of the early 19th century. Now, I'll be honest, this is not my area of expertise. So I've brought on a guest who is an expert in this, uh, Philippe Moisan, a professor of French at my alma mater, Grinnell College in Iowa. Moisan is a native of Brittany with degrees from the University de Caen and Washington University in St. Louis, who has published works on Victor Hugo, Chateaubriand, and Emile Zola, among other French authors. Professor Moisan, bienvenue. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start off with the big picture? What are the major trends and changes in French literature during the Restoration and this, this period in early 19th century France? Well, the main uh, literary movement, of course, is uh, Romanticism, uh, which starts uh, later than in other countries in France. Uh, like, uh, uh, it really starts with the publication of uh, uh, Les Méditations Poétiques, uh, Poetical Meditations by uh, Lamartine, published uh, in uh, 1820. So Romanticism is going to dominate uh, most of the uh, period of the Restoration, which doesn't mean that it doesn't go without any uh, problems of resistance from uh, uh, what people call les anciens, uh, uh, the people who were uh, defending the tradition, literary tradition. But it's mainly the main uh, movement, Romanticism, yes. Romanticism has started earlier in, in Germany and in other places. Well... Like you said, you're not a specialist in a, in a restauration. I'm not a specialist of a German and uh, 
uh, English uh, literature, but it started very early in, in Germany with the Goethe, uh, when the, uh, this, uh, with the Werther. Uh, I know the title in French, Souffrance du jeune Werther, Suffering of the Young Werther, or something like this. Uh, in, uh, I think, as early as the 17, uh, 18, no, 1775, something like this. And, uh, of course, in England, in the early 19th century, with Byron, uh, Shelley, it was predominant, way before uh, France, mainly because, well, the young readers were busy uh, with the revolution and uh, the Napoleonic Wars, so uh, this is why it mainly uh, started after uh, the revolution era. Although there were authors like Chateaubriand who announce uh, romanticism, but it really started uh, officially as a literary movement in the early uh, 20s in France. Is it fair to talk about romanticism as a single movement summer covering all of French literature at this point, or are there, are there significant uh, currents within this that are uh, maybe unfair to lump together into one category? Well, there were other uh, older uh, writers, but they are not uh, read anymore. So uh, there are very few uh, that we remember. Maybe the, on, the only one who is like a, 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 the link between the old generation and the new generation is Chateaubriand, who is in many uh, aspects uh, someone from the 18th century. He started to write in the late 18th century. Uh, and he is very, very popular uh, uh, at the beginning of the 19th century. And he has a strange position because he is uh, admired by uh, uh, Victor Hugo. Uh, Victor Hugo, uh, when he's very young, has this sentence, what do you want? When people ask him what he wants to be, he says, uh, I want to be Chateaubriand or nothing. Uh, Lamartine would used to, to walk to Chateaubriand's house and observe, would climb on a tree and observe Chateaubriand uh, leaving his house and his garden and so on. So he was admired. So he's the, the, the link uh, between, uh, between the old generation and the new generation. Uh, there's also Benjamin Constant. So they are all older writers, but basically it's the, the, uh, the, the, the years where the new generation is rising slowly, but surely. You've mentioned a couple names so far. Why don't you go through some of the major figures in the, the French literary movement in this period from sort of 1815 on into the 1830s and 40s? Who, who are the big names that people should know about? Well, once again, Chateaubriand is still uh, very important, but I would say the two uh, uh, most important names, uh, at least for the uh, Restauration uh, period, is, uh, first of all, Lamartine, uh, who is... Uh, very important in poetry. He starts with meditation poetic uh, and poems like The Lac, uh, The Lake. Uh, he really starts uh, uh, the uh, romanticism in France. Uh, the second uh, important, very important writer is, of course, uh, Victor Hugo, who is going to be the main uh, representative of this new uh, uh, genre, uh, this new uh, uh, movement, uh, romanticism. And around Victor Hugo, there's a galaxy of uh, several authors, uh, uh, like uh, De Vigny, uh, uh, Musset a little bit uh, later. So they have salons, uh, it's called a cenacle, and they talk about uh, literature. But the main characters, main, not characters, main uh, uh, people 
Lamartine and uh, Victor Hugo. Uh, Lamartine is more uh, about poetry. Victor Hugo is also uh, a poet, but he's also uh, uh, one which was one of the main genre, literary genre. Uh, then uh, uh, he writes plays. So theater is where you need to gain power to, to achieve what you want. So talk about what characterized French Romanticism as a genre, as a, as a movement, and uh, what made it distinct from uh, you know, what came before mm-hmm. and uh, uh, what came after? What, what are the unique characteristics of French Romanticism? Uh, well, it's a complicated and uh, complex uh, 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 system of ideas, so I will try to be, uh, to be simple. Basically, what is before Romanticism is Classicism, and to characterize classicism is basically in classicism you need to respect a, a set of rules, uh, 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 and in romanticism you more transgress this this rule. So you 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 judge the quality in classicism you judge the quality of a, of a work of a play of a poem if this play this poem respect the rules of the the ancients basically. Uh, in Romanticism, this is why this is the, the, the revolution, this is a literary revolution, you, you create uh, everything, you, uh, you break the old rules, uh, whether it is in theater, in theater in France, for example, in classicism, you have this règle des trois unités, uh, unité, which is like the rules that you have, the play needs to take place in one day, in one location, in one action, basically. Uh, what uh, Victor Hugo is going to do uh, is to break this these rules. For example, uh, one of his play, uh, the most important play, I would say in the romantic romantic uh, era, is uh, Ernani, which takes place in several locations over the course of several years or several months at least. So it's breaking breaking the rules. Uh, I, I would say that the easy way to to uh, characterize. Uh, uh, the difference between uh, classicism and romanticism is at least in in France uh, in in the one of the main uh, uh, tension in the uh, uh, in in plays in in uh, in novels is the, the the relationship to the father basically and globally I would say that in a in a classic uh, play it's usually the father who kills the son. And in Romanticism, it's about the son who is going to kill the father. You talked about how Romanticism got a little bit of a late start in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long does it last? Uh, at, what, at what point can you say that Romanticism has, has faded and something new has uh, taken its place? Uh, once again, it's difficult to... Well, there are dates that people know, but it's difficult to point out... Uh, uh, exactly, uh, there's no 31st of December of January 1st in uh, a cultural movement, uh, as you know. So it's difficult to pinpoint exactly. But there are uh, dates that uh, are important. I would say several phases that we can uh, uh, identify. Uh, there is, first of all, the, 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 the 20s. Uh, 1820s, when you're 19th, specialist, uh, 19th century specialist, you, 19, the 20s is the 1820s. Uh, I would say the, the 20s uh, is basically the build-up, the installation of Romanticism as a literary movement. So there's a lot of resistance from the uh, les anciens, the ancients, the traditionalists, and the new generation. So I would say this is the 
the, the build-up of this uh, literary movement, uh, the, uh, the 20s. Then after Hernani, it's clear that Romanticism is installed as a cultural movement, not only in literature, by the way, also in, in painting, uh, with Delacroix, de uh, La Liberté Guillaume Peuple, is a painting uh, f from 1830, uh, 30. and also, uh, for example, in, uh, in, uh, in music with uh, Chopin, uh, for example. So it's a global uh, movement. So from the, uh, the 30s is, are going to be the, the, the years where Romanticism is dominant and dominates everything. Uh, everybody, if you are 20 and older, you have to be, you are romantic. Okay. Then it starts to, 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 fade, uh, to fade away uh, at the beginning of the 40s. Like usually, when there's a new generation, they're going to uh, contest the power of the older generation. And uh, uh, I think the last... Uh, so there's a slow decline uh, throughout the, the 40s. And I think the uh, we can identify the, the 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 end of romanticism in literature with uh, Flaubert and Madame Bovary, uh, who one of the main theme of Madame Bovary is to uh, to make fun of romanticism. So a figure like uh, Victor Hugo uh, wrote well beyond the, this period you're talking about. Does yeah. uh, he did he change with the uh, the changing currents, or, or did he continue to write in the same style? Uh, with his later works than he was in his early works? Well, it's a little bit of uh, both, I would say. And uh, it's true that he, uh, um, uh, Victor Hugo is uh, unique in that sense because it doesn't exactly follow uh, the, the breakdown of uh, literary uh, movements. Uh, if you, uh, if you uh, have a, a novel like Les Miserables, for example, which was published in uh, 1862, so... A few years, five, six years after Madame Bovary, which is the first modern novel, uh, Victor Hugo, in many ways, write uh, Les Miserables as if uh, he was in the 30s, like a historical uh, type of historical novels like Alexandre Dumas writes, for example. So he's a little bit, uh, uh, in some ways, anachronic in, in that way. But uh, at the same time, uh, whether it is about the, the, the themes, the, 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 where it takes place, Les Miserables is a very much a, a modern uh, novel too, because it talks a lot about the, the situation, the political, cultural situation of the 19th century. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts. You talked about how uh, romanticism had a, a difference in theme and emphasis and uh, style from uh, the, the earlier classic uh, uh, works. Were there different differences in the use of language? Uh, were, was the, the writing style itself changing beyond the bigger picture? Uh, yes, completely. In classicism, um, if you count the kind of words that are used, there are very few words used in classicism. I think... Uh, um, around 1,000, I don't exactly remember. One of the revolution of uh, uh, of uh, uh, Victor Hugo is to introduce words that were not used at all uh, in uh, in theater. Uh, so a set of words 
euh, Victor Hugo said, j'ai mis un bonnet rouge euh, au, au dictionnaire français. Uh, so he, 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 he revolutionized the French language in literature at that period. It's, it's, it's not the case that he was inventing words, but he was bringing words in that weren't seen as acceptable in literature. Exactly. They were words that uh, you couldn't use uh, in a French play or in a poem, for example. Uh, and Victor Hugo uh, introduced all, all, all kinds of words that were unknown before. Uh, it's... Uh, Uh, it's part of the of his uh, theory that he develops in one of, of this essay, uh, La Préface de Cromwell, uh, Cromwell Preface. Cromwell was on one of his plays, where he uh, uh, he developed the idea of the concept, literary concept of uh, harmonie des contraires, harmonie of the contrary, where the sublime and the grotesque need to be mixed together, and it creates something new, something beautiful, uh, and. Um, In, you, you see that in the use of, of the, the words. Uh, and you can see that uh, in some ways uh, in uh, Les Miserables, a novel that everybody knows, where you could have the grotesque of, of Thénardier, for example, and the sublime of the love between Marius and Cosette. So let's connect these literary trends to the, the political and economic situation that was, is happening at this time. Obviously, Francis just come off incredibly, incredibly chaotic and violent years of the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, there's a conservative order that's ascended politically, but uh, the, the bourgeoisie has a lot more rights and influence and, and money than they used to have. Uh, and France is also about to undergo an industrial revolution. Uh, how is French literature engaging with uh, these changes in French society and, and politics? Well, I would say that you... Uh, maybe it's not during the... Uh, restoration that you see the influence of, of politics in literature, but more uh, after with Balzac, for example, uh, which most of these novels or many of them uh, take place during uh, the Restoration. Uh, so you can see the, 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 this cultural economic movement uh, shift uh, in uh, Balzac's uh, literature. Uh, where the bourgeoisie is rising, uh, where you don't need, you cannot, you cannot exist in Balzac's novel. You cannot exist as a character if you don't have any money. If you don't know how to gain money, uh, have a job, you don't exist uh, as a character. When, for example, in uh, in Chateaubriand, there's a, a famous novel called Atala. Uh, it's a st love story, uh, and to keep it short, at one moment, uh, the two main characters. Uh, Shaktas and Atala are wandering in the uh, American wilderness, which is described as a basically uh, garden of Eden. But at no point uh, they have uh, they, they have food problem. They have problem with food, uh, money. Uh, it, they can exist without the reality. Uh, I think the shift, uh, and you see that its uh, character exists in a. Um, uh, society uh, dominated by the bourgeoisie is like you need to have money, you need to have a house uh, uh, and all these materialistic details to function as a character. It's interesting talking about the relationship of these writers to French politics given that many of these writers at one point or another became heavily involved in French mm -hmm. politics. Mm -hmm. Chateaubriand was a major restoration figure, Lamartine mm -hmm. was major in the uh, Second Republic mm -hmm. Uh, Victor Hugo was a prominent uh, critic of Napoleon III. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, was there something unique about the the stature of French literature that made these uh, this overlap between uh, letters and politics so prominent? I don't know how far you can go, but there is a tradition of uh, what we now call in French intellectual uh, uh, public figures who have written books who have a voice in the public sphere, public political sphere. Uh, it, it, of course, started with the 18th century, uh, with Diderot, Voltaire, uh, Rousseau, were uh, intellectual and have a discourse about the way uh, the society should be run. So, um, in many ways, uh, Victor Hugo, Lamartine and Chateaubriand uh, continue uh, this tradition in the uh, 19th century. Uh, but the term intellectual will arrive with uh, the Dreyfus affair with Zola, uh, when Zola uh, will have a, a real political influence uh, because of his status, because he wrote books, basically. People are going to listen to him, but because Zola didn't have any political uh, role, he was not elected in any shape or form, but he had his... Uh, power, uh, intellectual power, because he wrote novels. So it's a, it, they continue, they are part of this French tradition, I would say. Some of the figures you mentioned, uh, perhaps most notably Chateaubriand, uh, but, and then also a, a number of other figures, were also heavily involved in writing nonfiction at this time. Uh-huh. Uh, was, was that... Se- do you see that as a distinct, very, something distinct from the literary changes in Romanticism, or was... Uh, the changes in the the nonfiction, the both Chateaubriand's works of Christianity and, and other topics, uh-huh. uh, the various histories of the French Revolution that were written during this time by Guizot and Thiers, was was that is that of a of a is that part of the Romantic movement as well, or is that something different? Well, I think it's a uh, uh, I think at once again it's a complicated uh, uh, issue uh, and very complex to deal with. But I would say it's important to to understand that the uh, what we could call the hierarchy between genres is completely different until the Restoration uh, and after the Restoration. Uh, uh, in, to put it very simply, I would say that if you want to be, uh, if you are young, usually these are men, uh, it's another question, but most of Prominent writers are, are male. If you are a young uh, man uh, in the 1820s, uh, the main genre is poetry and theater. And novels are not, is not, novel as a genre doesn't exist or is at the periphery of literature. It's going to change completely with Balzac. Uh, Balzac is going to, in many ways, invent uh, the modern novel and uh, uh, the, the 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 genre is going to be the, if you want to achieve something you need to, to you need to write novels an important novel uh, so I don't know if it's answering your question but it's uh, it's more uh, I would say fluid before uh, uh, before Balzac and less I would say after you mentioned of course that most of these writers are are male. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you say about the, you know, the the degree of diversity that there was? Or were, were these all men from a fairly fairly narrow socioeconomic class, or were there a diversity of perspectives? I know there there were a handful of uh, female authors at the time. Uh, were there uh, French literature was still not universal at this point? How diverse was the population of French authors and readers at this time? 
it's interesting about the romanticism because many of the of the uh, romantic uh, writers come from uh, the aristocracy. Uh, de Musset, Alfred de Musset, uh, de Vigny, uh, uh, Lamartine were all members of the aristocracy. So there's a paradox uh, because the uh, uh, the young members, some young members of this dying class aristocracy were uh, representing this new literary genre, at least at the beginning of, uh, of, of Romanticism in France. Uh, but I would say most, so aristocracy, but most of them would come from uh, the bourgeoisie. So um, the working class doesn't exist yet. Uh, the, the, the people who live in the country, they could read, but to be a writer, you, 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 you need a library at home, uh, this kind of thing. So it's very much uh, either a member of the uh, aristocratic elite or a uh, member young uh, young bourgeois. Uh, there are few, extremely few uh, women. Uh, Georges Sand is probably the most uh, famous one, um, but she's the exception. Uh, uh, she had, because of her family, uh, was very uh, open-minded. Uh, she had access to a, uh, a library, and so it's completely different. She She... She's unique. Is there one author or, or work that you think really encapsulates the, the spirit of the times of, of romanticism in the, uh, the 1820s, 1830s, 1840s in France? Once again, these are difficult uh, questions, but I would say, uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, and to, I would say I would give several. Uh, I would say uh, uh, someone we didn't talk about it, which is a novel, actually, uh, The Red and the Black by Stendhal and Le Rouge et le Noir which describes uh, the, the trajectory of a young man, uh, Julien Sorel. Uh, and the novel takes place uh, most in, in, during the Restauration, during Romanticism. So uh, uh, Julien Sorel is in many ways the archetype of a romantic hero. So uh, to understand uh, how a, a romantic hero or character functions, uh, I think Julien Sorel would be a, would be a good uh, uh, a good character. So, to talk a little bit more about uh, the, the red and the black, and, uh, and and this character, and why he's such a an archetypical re- example of the Romantic period. Well, first of all, uh, uh, Julien Sorel exists in a in a society that is pretty much still dominated by the old uh, classes. Uh, aristocracy and the clergy uh, and, and uh, he's also a, a young man in his 20s who exists after the Napoleonic era uh, so Julien Sorel feels that uh, uh, he first of all he cannot be uh, a Napoleonic hero the war is over and uh, the only way he can uh, survive is to play with the with the system uh, and uh, so th- this is one aspect that is important. The second aspect is also uh, the importance of, of love uh, and uh, 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 love and the, the expression of, of the self. Uh, happiness is an essential uh, part of, uh, of Julien Sorel's, uh, the, the way he functions. You've written about the idea of this period marking, quote, the end of humanism and the birth of modernity. Well, what do you mean by that? What is important during this uh, period, I, I would say the, the Restoration, and actually a, 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 another novel that we can use to, to see this uh, very well is the, the Les Miserables, 
which is a novel which was published uh, uh, in uh, 1862, but uh, the action is mainly during the Restoration. It starts, the real action starts in 1815, and it stops in uh, 1833-34. So it's about, uh, it's about the Restoration. And what you see during this period is that basically uh, the end of the Enlightenment. Uh, people have the Enlightenment, have read uh, the French philosopher of the 18th century, and they are still using them. Uh, and there are many characters in the Miserable who have uh, the 18th century as a foundation, intellectual foundation. But the one of the ideas of Les Miserables, what you can see in Les Miserables, the, the tools created by the uh, 18th century philosophers are not working because the society is completely different. Uh, the 18th century intellectual were uh, talking about a, a world that was essentially rural, uh, the 19th century is more and more urban. So the social problems that you have uh, in the 18th century are completely different from the uh, problems that you have in the 19th century. So you can see this uh, in, in Les Miserables. This is what I'm talking about, actually, the, the end of humanism. Uh, it's basically the end of uh, the way you see and you can analyze the world uh, the world in uh, the beginning of the 19th century. Then you have the creation of new tools. Uh, uh, we, are, we talk about pre-Romanticism. We can talk about pre-Marxism. Uh, you're going to start to use or to invent uh, tools that will be uh, uh, able to, uh, to solve or try to solve the problems of the 19th century. So this is this period. Uh, uh, once again, it's difficult to pinpoint specific dates, but basically the first uh, from 1820s to 1840s, uh, there is some kind of a no man's land between uh, enlightenment and modernity. Final major question I'd like to ask you, uh, this is all obviously interesting for its own sake, uh, but what's the importance of this period in French literature? Why is it worth talking about and reading and discussing uh, in here in the 21st century? Why is this enduring and not just the historical relic? Once again, it's a very difficult question to answer. Why is it important to read, uh, uh, to read 19th century uh, literature? Uh, first of all, uh, the problems are uh, usually, uh, I would say, uh, universal. Uh, many of the uh, issues uh, related to uh, uh, personal issues related to relation between men and women uh, or love uh, desire uh, it is still pretty much exists we there are differences but uh, the bottom line is we more or less function uh, the, the same way as individual there's a the same way there is a uh, some kind of a universalism uh, me someone from china from spain we are the same human. There's a universal universalism uh, throughout the, the, the period. I am the same person as, and I'm, there are many similarities between people who live before me and me. Uh, so this is why it's important because there's a dialogue that we can have uh, between uh, between generations, between centuries. So this is why it is important. Also because uh, it's a, it's an era that was. Uh, it's the beginning of our modernity. Uh, 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 
Uh, it's the beginning of uh, of uh, of democracy, uh, human rights. Uh, all this uh, movement, these ideas, uh, were put in place uh, during the 19th century. Uh, so it's important to understand uh, uh, to understand uh, um, maybe better our period. It gives us some templates. I don't think I could have summed up the purpose of this podcast better myself. Uh, this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, we'll ask you one final question uh, on, your, on the way out. For listeners who are interested and want to get into French literature of this time, uh, where would you recommend they start? What's, a, what's a, a book or author that you'd recommend as a good starting point? Once again, there are many. Uh, if they don't know Les Miserables, they should uh, read uh, Les Miserables. Uh, they should read uh, The Red and the Black by Stendhal. A very important uh, book that we just mentioned, but which is very important and one of the best probably novel, in my opinion, published ever is uh, Madame Bovary by uh, Flaubert. Uh, uh, so I would say that these three would be a, a good start, but I understand that there are many others and people would be mad at me uh, for not mentioning them. Well, uh, Professor Moisan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That's the interview. My thanks to all of you for listening to and sharing the podcast, which has continued to grow. Again, if you'd like to learn more about the various figures and works discussed today, visit thesiecla.com slash episode 16 to read an annotated transcript. And if you're not already following the show, I'd encourage you to subscribe and start listening from episode 1. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be releasing several bonus episodes of The Siecla, interesting discussions with other history podcasters about the similarities and differences between Restoration France and the places and times they cover. At some point in the next month will come the next full episode, a look at the international scene in post-Napoleonic Europe. Join me then for episode 17, Europe in Concert. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.